Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His great name. And if you have not experienced Him coming to live inside of you, and if you've ever been in doubt, I want you to come and see me. Because you can have the same exact evidence and experience that those in the book of Acts had. It's for you. And He will put His name on you. Hallelujah. You may return to your seats. I would like to turn to the book of John, chapter 21, and to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And if your Bible's like my Bible, you will not need to flip the page because John 21 and Acts 1 are right side by side. That was not intentional. If this... If you are new to the Church of Omaha, I just want to welcome you here today. Can we go ahead and give a hand clap for all of our guests? We all come from a variety of backgrounds, a variety of careers, a variety of families, and, and a variety of church backgrounds. And so uh, this may be a little different to you or it may be what you're familiar with, but what you will find at the Church of Omaha is a people who are indebted to our Lord Jesus Christ. But when I say the word indebted, he has taken our debt. And so we look to him and we say, God, you took our hurts, our pains, our struggles. You gave us purpose. And we love you and we found love and joy in you. And so when you see people reaching out and connecting with God, they're connecting in relationship. And they're connecting in worship and love because of what God has done for them. And so you can relax today and just let God touch you. I always will tell you to go ahead and worship God freely. Let him heal you and that you will hear a word from the Lord. The Lord. So I've made you stand for a while here. Um, but in John chapter 21, in verse 18, well, we'll do verse, uh, we won't do verse 18 yet. We'll do verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned upon his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Um, and Peter, seeing, uh, and Peter see, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? Or to thee, follow thou me. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. And today I'd like to talk to you about what is that to you. You may be seated. What is that to you? What's it to you? Um, here in this passage, and you might be familiar with John chapter 21, but I'll go ahead and recap the story for you. And it really is one of my favorite passages. But, you know, Peter, Peter of all the apostles written about it more than any of them. And he's the, I mean, we could talk about Paul and all his writings. But of those that walked with Jesus, Peter is that one. And, and we often have in our mind, uh, at least what I, what I see in my mind, is I, I see somebody that's kind of out there, speaks his mind, says what he's thinking. <laughs> and... Tells it like it is. Now, there's a few phrases in our society. If somebody says they, they tell it like it is, that means they're about ready to say something negative. They never say, Brother Terry, I'm just going to tell you like it is. You're a great man. 
and you did a fantastic job. And that meal you cooked was wonderful. Um, also, another one, if they say bless their little heart, that's not a good thing. All right? So if Peter was being nice and he said, oh, bless, the, bless their little heart, but they just can't get it together. That's what they're getting ready to say. They're getting ready to say something not nice. Now, I did have somebody once tell me, bless your pointy little head, and I wasn't sure what they meant about that. But they also didn't say much nice after that either. But at least that was to me and not just about me. Um, but Peter here was one of those, tell it like it is, is how I have it in my mind. And, and he was always out there. And then he always was like, he's the guy that if you said, hey, can anybody handle this? He's the guy, no, I got this. Got it right here. Right here. Yep. I'm your man. I'm your man. And everybody else that was wanting to be a little more dignified, that's like, you know, I think I would like to have that mission, but maybe I'll turn and I'll let James have a shot. Because James and John, they were the sons of thunder, so maybe we shouldn't talk about them either, because they were like, hey, can we sit on your, beside you on the throne? <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, if maybe Matthew would have been over there saying, well, let me defer, and then let's see if Jesus picks me. Not Peter. Peter's like, no, I got this, and... and and when Jesus talked about the struggle and what was going to happen and how they were going to turn away, Peter was, oh, he's like, <laughs> you, the God of glory, don't know who you're talking about. I'll never leave you. That's, that's some pretty stout stuff right there. I got this. That's when I think about Peter. And, and, and then I think, sometimes we think they, they called them unlearned and ignorant men. Now, immediately in my North America, United States, American mind, I think, wow, these guys didn't go to school. I wonder if they knew how to read and write, and, and what kind of background do they come from? The truth is, is that Peter and the other apostles would have been trained in the Bible, in the Torah. They would have gone, and they would have had a teacher. They would have memorized the Old Testament scripture. They would have known what it was like, how to break down scripture, how to, they've been through the training like from rabbis, and, and, and here's how you take this passage, and here's how it connects to that passage. They were not ignorant of Old Testament scriptures. They were just up there from Galilee, and the people in Jerusalem were like, mm-hmm, those guys up there, bunch of fishermen. That does not mean they did not know the word of God, or that they couldn't read and write. And of course, if you know the word of God, you know, and you had studied it and memorized it, you know, these were intelligent men. But they were also men who thought a bit of themselves. And so Peter here, he thought a little bit of himself, and Jesus let him know a few things. One, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And that passage really strikes my mind, because I, I love my children, and I want to keep them, and I want to protect them, and I don't want to send them out as and have them get in, in trouble. But Jesus talked about sending us out as sheep among wolves. And he would let us know he was going to be with us there. But that doesn't mean there wasn't going to be a struggle. And when he told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, what he was saying is, I who am God and creator of everything and have all authority and power, you're about to go through a struggle and the adversary is going to try you and I'm not just going to stop it all and make your life just be just all about candy. But you're going to go through some struggles here. But I've prayed for you. And Church of Omaha, Peter is called a foundational stone in building these church, this church. And he preached the day of Pentecost message. Yet he also went through struggle that God knew was going to come. But God did not walk out on him. And he is not walked out on you. 
Be encouraged. You have an advocate who stands in the gap for you. And that advocate is the very God of glory who robed Himself in flesh. He became part of the experience of humanity and went through your struggle. And God is standing there for you just like He stood for Peter. That didn't mean that Peter didn't curse the very God of glory as, as Jesus Christ was headed towards the cross and suffering and they asked Him, do you know who He is? And He denied, I don't know who that is. And He cursed Him, not once, not just twice, but three times He denied Him by a fire of coals. And Jesus finds Him here and, and He finds Him in John chapter 21 and, and this says in John chapter 21, this is the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he had been resurrected. The third time. That, that number three is significant because Peter denied him three times and Jesus is getting ready to show up by a fire of coals and it was coals where Peter denied him and, and he's denied him three times and Peter's going to ask him a question three times and this third appearance. It, it's what that three there is saying is we're going to put a bow on the past. We're getting ready to close a door on where we've been. And I'm getting ready to focus you on where we are going. But first we needed to address the past. And Peter had denied Jesus three times. And that would have been like, wait a second. Or did you like actually blaspheme God here? What did you do? Is there any hope for you, Peter? And while they're out on the water, Jesus uses the same calling that He used previously. And He tells them that they haven't caught any fish. You see, Peter had joined up with his fellow disciples, the fellow followers of Jesus. And they went out on the water. There was a bond between those people. There was a bond. There's a bond between the people, your fellow church members here. I have a special bond with you and you with me. When we've been filled with the same spirit of Jesus Christ, but... But we go through things together. We share with each other. We, we say, hey, can you please pray for me? I, I've had a real hard time on my job, or I'm sick, or you have no idea what this, this month has been like. There's some of you out there today that's that way. I remember a couple years ago, in like the first two months, I got hit with like $15,000 of problems. And I was like, you know, I just don't make that kind of money. <laughs> in fact, so the next thing that broke on me, I just sat down and laughed because I was like, what, what can we do? Like, we're, we're out of cash. How are we covering all this stuff? And, uh, um, and I'm going to lose my train of thought there, right? <laughs> but, but, but you've been there, and, and you've, you've been through struggle, and, and yet we're, bond, we're, in, we're bonded with each other. And we pray for each other. Peter had been joined with these guys both through three and a half years of teaching. And then the struggle at the cross and the forsaking Jesus. And now they're out on the waters and they're fishing and they haven't caught any fish. And Jesus is on the shore. And they don't quite recognize him. But there's a man out. This feels familiar like I've been here before. And he says, cast the nets out. And they catch fish in abundance. And Sean's like, that's the Lord. And Peter girds himself up and he throws himself in the water. And he swims to shore. And he's encountering Jesus, the one he denied. And it's just him and Jesus. And I want you to understand that. It's just him and Jesus. 
It's no longer the posse, the group, the clan, the church, the, the people that he's with, his, his brothers in arms, his, whatever you want to call them today, his family. It's no longer them. It's just him and the Lord. And the rest eventually arrive at the shore and Jesus is fishing and they're sitting there to eat. And Jesus turns to Peter. And our God has a way of doing this. I know there's what, if we hit 7 billion people in the world or someplace in there, and of all the people in the world, God has a way of zeroing in on you. And suddenly, it's like the magnifying glass pours in. And Mac, it's, it's as if all he can see is you and you see him. And he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's, and he doesn't just say, do you love me? He says, do you love me more than these? Now, maybe he was talking about careers and jobs and back to fishing, but it really strongly looks like that he was even more focused in on the group. And I thought on that, that focused in on the group, the, the disciples, the church. You see, Peter's getting ready to be called to shepherd them and to preach the day of Pentecost message. And yet Jesus is first asking him, is your love for me greater than your friends? The ones that you went through everything with. The ones you did battle with. And the, the people around you. And, and, and I look over here at the youth, but I would say, hey, is your love for God greater than your youth group? And, and sometimes as you're a teenager, sometimes as an adult, you're like, can I please move away from Omaha? Now, I know none of you have ever said that because you love the Church of Omaha. In fact, Donnie and Kara, we've talked to them several different times. You know, Donnie works with people all around the country. He doesn't really need to live here. And Kara might agree with that, or she might disagree with that. But they've said the reason we're here, and I'm picking on them just a little bit, is because of this church. And this church is what causes me to live over here in this community. When we went to look for a house, we said, we want it in this area of town. Why? Not because of my job. Because Alicia would have much rather live downtown. No, she would not. Um, but uh, uh, to, no, because there's something about here. And yet Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter just tells him, I love you. And Jesus leaves aside then the group and all that and that questioning. And then he's like, feed my sheep or feed my lambs. And then he comes back and, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, yes, Lord. And, and he says, feed my sheep, or it could maybe be better translated, shepherd my sheep. He's like, what? Shepherd my sheep. And he comes a third time and, and, and he says, do you love me? And Peter's like, I know. And he says he's grieved. And he says, you know I love thee. And Jesus says, feed my sheep or tend my sheep three times. He didn't go four. He didn't go six. He just, feed my sheep. Do you love me? What is happening there in Peter's moment? He's saying, hey, first off, I want you to push back the people around you. It's just me and you. It's just me and you. And then do you love me? And the unspoken thing is, is that Jesus was already on the shore and he had come back to Peter. And so we already know that Jesus loves Peter. The passion of the cross 
did more to state that than anything else. And I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross for you. And I don't care if this is your first Sunday in church ever, or you've been going all your life, and you were like 15 years ago, God filled me with His Spirit. And now you look at your failures since that moment, or you look, if this is your first Sunday, and you've looked at your failures from before you came here. I don't care what bucket you fit in, Jesus died on the cross for you. He shed His blood for you. And He's not about to be beat up and, and, and be beaten up by your problems and circumstances. He owns them. He went through struggle for you. And He loves you. But He's asking you a question today. Do you love me? Do you love me more than your career? Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your, your hobbies? Do you love me more than those things? But more importantly... Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than your fellow church members? Do you love me more than this? I, I, I'm not wanting to call the other disciples Sodom and Gomorrah by far. But I still see a little bit of a picture of, of, of Peter's being pulled forward from what's behind him. Just like Lot and his wife were pulled out of the city. And, and he's pulling them forward. And, and he's saying, Peter, it's now me and you. What's your love like for me? And then he replaces it with, if you love me, then I need you to do what I'm calling you to do. You will never be at more, more peace. I want to say happiness, but at greater place of peace or completeness. And I'll add to that a deep internal joy than when you will answer God for what he's asking you to do. And so if God were to pull you away from Omaha, and Bishops is not going to want me to say these things at all, right? Because we're keeping you here. But if he were to say, I'm taking you some other place, or I'm asking you to stay here. If you go to the other place, you will be unsettled because he wants you here in his place where he's calling you to into the mission he's calling you to. But if he is calling you to something else, you say, I can't do that. Hear me. When God has called you, you will never be complete or at peace until you step into the place where He wants you to be. And your past is your past. And He died for that. And your present, you need to give to Him. And your future, you need to go ahead and rest in His arms. And He's just saying today to Peter, when He says the three times, is, hey, we're making this complete. Today is a new day. This is a new marker. This is a new metric. It's a fresh start. It's, it's like when you're in school. And have you guys ever had this? <laughs> we had this in high school. We had a bunch of terrible classmates. Uh, they got in all sorts of trouble. And I remember we stepped into Mr. Bemis' history class, and, 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 and he started to say, and you're this and that, and some of the kids went, hold on a second. You're acting like you think we're a bunch of bad kids. And I was like, well, that's, that's true. I've been with you all these years. Like, you, you think we're a bunch of bad kids, and, and you're judging us by what everybody told you. And so you're putting all this in, you're not giving us, and then Mr. Bemis would say, hold on, hold on. Today is a fresh start. And I do, have not talked to other teachers, and we knew he was lying, but I have not talked to the other teachers, and this, I'm not judging you, and we're moving forward as if you had never done those things. Well, Jesus was saying, Peter, He's not holding an account to him of, well, we're going to just see how you behave. No, he's saying, I already know where you've been. 
But now it's complete. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And now we're headed headlong towards the passage we opened up with. But Peter is here and, and he turns to the one that Jesus loved. And we get a little bit of a description of who this is and how they were sitting at the table. And, 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 and Jesus is here and, and, and John is here and the one that betrayed Jesus is over here. And, and they used to have this whole table set up and they had couches and they would lean on their elbows and reach for bread. And so that's when you're reading that passage and it talks about positioning and, and setting. John would have been here and Peter would have been, or Jesus would have been here and, and, and they'd have been there. And then Jesus could turn and he could hand bread over to Judas. And this is the whole description. So you would know if you knew the table set up, this is the one that Jesus loved. And, and so Jesus is talking to Peter and he lets him know. He lets him know in verse 18. That right now you go ahead and you gird yourself up. Just like he did in the boat. And just like he does later when the angel delivers him out of, Peter, or out of prison. And, and you put your clothes on in the morning. And you take care of yourself. But one day somebody else is going to own you. They're going to gird you up. They're going to go ahead and they're going to stretch out your arms. And it says that he was signifying his death. And church history and tradition tells us that Peter was hung upside down on the cross. You see, Peter, a man that God called for purpose and mission, was not able to escape tribulation and struggle. He was imprisoned and he was brought before the councils. And at one point he ended up having to leave Jerusalem is what it looks like to get away from, from all the ruckus and, and everything that's going on. And, and, and eventually he's hung upside down and, and Hear me today. God did not remove all the struggle out of Peter's life. He merely asked him, are you willing to do what I need you to do? Focus on feeding my sheep. He didn't put any boundaries around it. Are you willing to feed them? Only Courtney and Jeremy, are you only willing to feed them if everything's okay and I make sure your bills are paid and food's on the table and I stop everybody from being mean to you and I make your life easy? Then will you feed my sheep? Uh oh, will you feed my sheep if I make sure you never get sick again and you never wonder how are we going to get through the situation tomorrow? Then will you feed my sheep? Will you only feed them if your car never breaks down or your family never rejects you or somebody doesn't die an unexpected death or, 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 or you don't go through beatings or suffering? No, it was just love me, follow my calling. And that was it. It wasn't based on anybody else. But Peter then turns. Now here, you can see this conversation unfolding. Mac, if you want to come over here a minute. Now, Mac's been over here, and here's the rest of these disciples. They're fine disciples. You work with them. I think you like these youth, right? Yeah, like them, yeah. He chooses to spend the, the first word downstairs instead of up here. No, he's part of the youth team. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jesus is talking to you. And it looks like, and maybe it's just in the conversation, but almost like they begin to walk away. And as they begin to walk away, and Avery, you can stand up. We'll pick on her today. Peter's talking, and he all of a sudden turns and looks back. Now, I know John's a guy and Avery's a girl, but uh, that's okay today for the story. Because as they're walking, Avery, you take a few steps further. 
it's almost like they're walking away, and then he turns and he's like, oh, wait a second. And then Peter's like, what about, what about over here? He's like, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do with John? But what did Jesus say? Do you love me more than these? And this is the struggle. And I could, I could pick on, on, on my, my children today or Liam and Finn. And, 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 and when you go to one of them and, and, and if you're over there talking, sometimes you'll see another kid want to saddle up. and say, What's going on here? Especially if it comes to money, right? So if it comes to money, you, if it comes to money, you may just see even Avery here take a couple steps. What's going on? And why are you paying some money out for something? Didn't I do something here? And, and, and so we have this here. And Peter's like, well, what, what are you going to do? Wait, Mac, Mac would be like, hey, Lord, what are you going to do with Avery? I, I know that I, I feel you're calling in my life. But what about her? And, and you guys may be seated. Um, and he's looking at him and he's saying, but what about him? But Jesus wants you to know as often as you guys have parented and you've wanted to deal with one kid on an issue and you didn't want anybody else to know the situation. Sister Kiara, can you hear me on that? Like You're like, I just want to talk to Genevieve. I, I don't need anybody else over here. You guys can stay away. What we're doing here has none of your business. And, and I'm sorry to pick on the rest of your children. They're great kids. But you've been there. And you're just dealing with them. And it's your situation. And this is God. Welcome today, Sister Maria. But uh, you know, uh, uh, when he comes and he deals with us, he's saying it's about you. It's about you. And when God talks to each of you, it's about you. And there could be 500 people in this church or five people. And it doesn't matter because suddenly he says it's about you loving me and I love you. So will you answer the call. What's it to you? I know that that title can feel maybe slightly like a rebuke at first. You're like, what's it to you? But what Jesus is saying is, I love you and I care about you. And your life might not look like somebody else's life. We talked about this this morning before we kicked off service. Sometimes it feels like every day is a shove and a push, and we're just trying to get there. As soon as you get past this roadblock, there's another roadblock. When you get past that, there's another roadblock. And yet today, Jesus isn't promising that all roadblocks will be removed. We could stand to our feet. I had more. I put down too much. Um... I told you we'd go into Acts chapter 1, and I decided to let that go. Jesus, Jesus didn't promise that you wouldn't have roadblocks. He didn't promise that you would not go through struggle. He didn't promise that it would all be easy. But he's looking at you today, and if we could, we could close our eyes in this place. He's looking at you today, and he has a couple questions. One is, do you love me? And then the other is really a statement. But it's, do this. And inherent to it, it's almost like a question of, will you do this? Because if you love me, will you be willing to go wherever I call you? You may not be a preacher or a pastor or a missionary. 
You may not be a worship leader, but stop thinking about what you may not be and say, okay, wherever you lead me, I'm your man. I'm your woman. Go ahead, let's give him a hand clap just for a minute. And Peter, Peter says that we're called to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. He says it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith. Nobody else can say they're kept except those who have bound their life to Jesus Christ. Nobody can say that. So I don't care what kind of lifestyle you think you want to choose. You have all uncertainty and zero certainty except if you Jesus Christ you'll be kept kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time it's here but not yet it's here but there's still a struggle but hear me weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning and so Peter Hits on that where he says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, meaning you're kept. And there's a promise reserved in heaven for you. Though now for a season, say for a time. If need be, ye or you are in heaviness through manifold temptations or many trials. Oh, you may be going through something here and it may be necessary and it may be just to shape you or it may be to fulfill the call of the kingdom. He says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. I see God right here saying how you turn out matters more to me than if I have to let you go through struggle now. Uh, to that little baby that falls down every time they get up and try to walk, if you just carried them the entire time, they would never walk. And it feels like the worst pain they ever felt the first time they fall down. Every time a little baby feels some pain, they think it's the worst pain. Trust me. They wail to the highest heavens. And that doesn't just end as a little baby, actually. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and, and yet he's saying, though if need be, you being worked out and your faith matters more to God. It's more precious than gold. And heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your love for God does not need to be based off of boundaries. It needs to be to the death. Somebody says, what's Pastor Lucas calling for today? What I'm telling you is no boundaries, just Jesus. I don't see anybody here today that I know of that right now you're going to head off and have to tell somebody, yeah, I'm willing to die today. But don't even, don't put boundaries on Jesus. Don't make your house payment be bound by Jesus. Bring it to him. But bring it to him, not on a condition. If you will, then I. Just trust him. No boundaries. And Jesus is saying when you look to everybody else, why, why, why does it seem they're blessed more than me? What are you doing with them? He's saying, what's it to you? What's it to you? What's it to you? If we could close our eyes, I want us to commit to Jesus today.
Lord Jesus, I'm yours. And I feel that calling and that pulling. And maybe, God, I would like to say it stronger today, and I can't promise you of the hardship and struggles I won't go through. And, and I'm struggling and I'm dealing with some stuff, but I love you, Jesus, and I, and I want to say yes. I want to say yes. As you're praying, church, this is a call to go ahead and say yes again to Jesus. To say yes. Oh God, I want to say yes. As He's calling to you, I don't know what His words today of feed my sheep exactly look like, but with your eyes closed, tip your face up towards heaven. And I want you to begin to tell Him, yes, Jesus. Jesus, no boundaries. No boundaries. I'm yours. I don't know what it's going to look like when I face the struggle. But if you prayed for Peter, I know you got me. I know you've gone through the push. And I know you've gone through the struggle. But I'm just asking, would somebody go ahead and step out today? If you'd like to make your way to the front here, there's, there's still time. And, and, or back at your seat. But go ahead, step out and stretch your hands towards heaven. And begin to let him know there's no boundaries. I'm putting no conditions on it, Jesus. I'm here to follow you. Oh, stop looking back. Don't look back to the world. Don't look back to the group. But just say, Jesus, I'm yours.